Okay, brilliant. So, uh, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Peter McCormack, uh, host of the What Bitcoin Did podcast and owner of Real Bedford FC. Uh, Peter, welcome back to the show. Uh, good to see you, man. How are you doing, Josh? I'm really good. It's uh, yeah, great to have you back. Um, especially right now, there's there's some interesting things going on in in the world of cryptocurrency and you know in your world generally. So. Um, I think I think that maybe the be- the best place to start if we're going um contemporary is the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF um so does this mean that the establishment is finally on board with attempting to front run as many people as possible into this world or um what do you think is going on there who knows man who knows really i mean all you can come up with is a, a variety of uh variety of thesis a different thesis right i've seen different ones okay so one it could be black rock are just being super clever in the way they're doing it their etf is essentially a trust could just be that it could be that uh the uh, regulators uh, know they can't stop bitcoin we saw the imf came up this week and said uh, or last week it can't be stopped and so they're like well let's let's at least give it to our buddies the people we trust and like it could be some part of Operation Choke Point that BlackRock are being used to try and get in on Bitcoin and custody a bunch of it and whatever, some weird stuff. Uh, I think I think it's more likely nearer one and two. I think BlackRock want to offer a product to their customers. Uh, they've looked at all the ETFs being rejected. They've set it up slightly differently and that's their product. And I think more likely that it will get through because BlackRock have uh, friends in high places. Yeah, you could definitely say that, I think, <laughs> safely. <laughs> um, so do you think that means like a rally? Do you think that's going to kick off like a, a, a price spike or do you think it'll go more unnoticed by people who aren't in this world? No, I mean, it could do. It depends how they pitch it and market it. But, I mean, it, it certainly could. BlackRock is, what, $15 billion AUM, or is it even more? Fuck knows, man. It's probably ridiculously higher than that. But uh, and people look to BlackRock as a signaler of where to put money. And so, yeah, certainly it could do. But then sometimes these things happen and you're disappointed. Um, I, I just, I think the bigger point on this is that yeah, people use that saying that's uh, incorrectly uh, attributed to, to Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi. I was like, first they ignore you, they you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. It kind of feels like we're in between the then they fight you uh, and then we win kind of phases. In that, every attempt to try and stop Bitcoin fails. Um, yeah, every attempt to regulate has got pushed back. Yeah, we've seen a lot of wins now. Coinbase have just defeated the SEC. Genzer is not very popular with people. There's a yeah, there's a growing big support for Bitcoin. And if someone like BlackRock release an ETF and it gets approved and we see a massive amount of institutional capital coming to Bitcoin, I think the regulatory pressure is going to drop a little bit. I think the I think those people who've got that kind of existential fear that Bitcoin might get destroyed, might get, you know, the regulars might kill regulators might kill it off. I think they will be reassured. Mm. Um, I think it certainly could lead to a price rally. Do I like it? And I don't love it. 
I don't love the idea of an ETF. You know, number go up is obviously great for Bitcoin holders, but uh, it is more it will lead to more Bitcoin, which is centrally custody, which we know has its issues. Now, I'm pretty sure that uh, I, like I trust the because I, I hear that it will be Coinbase custody. I trust Coinbase's ability to custody and not to be uh, uh, a scam that will rug pull people more than most places. Mm. Uh, do I trust that we could get in a situation? There's two potential outcomes. One's that it is a trap and regulators confiscate Bitcoin from Coinbase. Um, I don't see that happening, but like I understand that fear from previous gold thefts. Um, I think the bigger risk here is that we end up with uh, black market and white market Bitcoin. Okay, so the Bitcoin which goes through your BlackRock ETF is your white market Bitcoin, your approved Bitcoin, your surveillance Bitcoin, the one that's uh, got your KYC attached to it. And then we have black market Bitcoin, which is your non-KYC privately transacted Bitcoin where you know, people don't know who is actually holding it at that point. And that might even see a premium itself. I think you could you could potentially head towards that kind of divergence. But I mean, I think it's good for Bitcoin and it's bad for Bitcoiners. Mm. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, it'd be interesting to see that sort of like split market appear because I guess, so one of the things that, that people have, have long sort of hoped for would be a way where people could exchange bitcoin yeah without needing internet connections or or any sort of like requirement for outside parties basically um whatsoever like whether that means yeah black market or white market so i think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens when regulators inevitably do step in like i think i think some sort of regulation is inevitable like how far they go with it is is yeah we'll see where it goes um do you think like um sbf and and the collapse of a lot of like different exchanges has has damaged people's like fundamental belief in the idea um no i mean god i mean we've been through so many different crises with bitcoin uh yeah all the sbf did is recreate mount gox in a different way and we've been through this time and time again the truth is yeah buy your bitcoin move to self custody not your keys not your bitcoin keep replaying this message i mean it's it all it does is delay adoption and make the jobs of people like you and i more difficult because then we have to explain it to people we have to say no bitcoin isn't a scam um SBF is a scam. FTX was a scam. They scam people. Bitcoin itself is not a scam. You can buy Bitcoin. You can hold it in self-custody. You can transact with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not the problem. It is those individuals. But it just gives ammo to those who are anti-Bitcoin, the, the FUD spreaders, whether it's a politician, or influencer, or a media person. It just makes our job a bit harder. But like fundamentally, it's not going to damage Bitcoin. People have got short memories. As soon as number goes up, they'll get excited again. So no, I'm not worried about that stuff. Mm. yeah i mean i think long term the 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 idea doesn't doesn't go away um as as you said uh, it seems like they they can't really like ev everything so i've watched i've been really like deeply watching it for like maybe three or four years like we're really interested in in what's going on and even through that there's been plenty of like crises that i've seen um and people who have been holding and, and were, were in it much longer than I've been um, have clearly seen. I think it's the, the more people see that it's resilient, 
perhaps, the more it's likely to become accepted as an asset class. Well, dude, listen, this is my third bear market. And the first one always feels like the end. You think it's dead. <laughs> the second one is just super f painful. And you have all these kind of like, oh, should I sell it? What's going to go what's going to happen? You panic. I'm in my third one. You're just like, yeah, all right, let's just ride this shit out. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. One, you've been through it. So you've experienced it. But also, like every bull market, a bear market, you survive, you become hardened psychologically around it but also your net wealth should have increased like if your bitcoin strategy is solid is sound if you are not over leveraging if you are just uh buying and keep stacking and you're growing your stack you, you know my first bear market i watched bitcoin go from 1200 down to like 250 i gave up i didn't have any bitcoin by the end of that i just thought it was dead now my second one my net wealth went from seven figures down to god what was it five figures <laughs> yeah it's a big fucking jump Ooh, that is, uh, yeah. <laughs> and i sold a little bit of the bottom this one i'm just like okay i'm cool whatever what will be will be i mean i have less bitcoin in this bear market than i did in the last uh, sorry in the last bull, from bull market to bull market i had less bitcoin because i screwed up right but this one i've still stacked i still grow my stack and i'm cool by the time the next one comes along i won't I, i'm not gonna make that mistake again yeah well lessons learned yeah. it's easy well it's easy with hindsight isn't it always <laughs> i think i was so yeah. stupid how did it's i make good, those decisions <laughs> it's just a good test of your character though you know which i think is a good thing to have mm. like to test your resolve and look the earlier you get into bitcoin the bigger risk you're taking because there's more unknowns and so you deserve the bigger re reward those people who got in in 2010 2011 like when we had no idea what this thing was you know, they deserve the rewards they've got. And you know what? I bottled it in 2013, 14, and I deserve that. You know, I mean, my first Bitcoin I bought was like £80 or $80. I can't remember the exact price. 80 is around that mark. I mean, Jesus, if, if I'd have known, I would have bought the shit out of it. Um, and, you know, I, I got punished for my lack of uh, conviction, my, you know, my strategy. But, you know, it is what it is. We're here now. We're in another bear market. I'm I'm here for this. Yeah. So how do you think the experiment's going in El Salvador? I'm looking forward to talking to a, um, a friend of mine for the show who's who's been down there um, for the last year uh, and sort of seeing how it's going and been reporting on it. But but from, from your perspective, how do you think it's going? I think everything is a derivative of Bitcoin. So I think the El Salvador project is following Bitcoin. Okay, so the country makes it legal tender, gives everybody a bunch of you know, some Bitcoin via Chivo, uh, you know, puts in the regulations that people have to accept Bitcoin on certain companies. And then what's probably most likely happened is, you know, they've stacked a load of Bitcoin uh, as the government. And then uh, if you're in El Zonte, it's going well because there's a lot of Bitcoin interest and the rest of the country probably not too much is happening. Mm. And so we're in a bear market. So people are like, oh, they've wasted money buying all this Bitcoin or nobody's really using it. But what's going to happen, like an individual, you know, as we go through a bear market and, you know, our value of our Bitcoin drops and the usage drops, they're doing the same. But when we go into the next cycle, they will see all the benefits as the first country to adopt it. Mm. The Bitcoin they've stacked will, will, will increase in value and they will be proven right. Their strategy will be proven right. And 
those people in the country have adopted it, their strategy would be proven right. So I, to me, it's just like the El Salvador project, that momentum matches the momentum of individuals in Bitcoin, companies in Bitcoin. We all kind of go, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, you all tend to go through the same experience from bear market to bull market to bear market. And, you know, they've taken a big risk and uh, Bukele deserves recognition for the bravery of doing that, being the first country. And my conviction says he will be proven to be right and everyone else will be proven to be wrong. And, you know, they will reap the rewards of being the first to do it. I mean, you don't want to be the last country to adopt Bitcoin. No, that's true. That would be a serious mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then talking more broadly uh, about about like bitcoin application because like this is something i've been thinking about a lot is um and you can correct me if my assumptions are wrong but it seems like we still don't have a way for bitcoin to have a layer on top of it that is capable of handling the like millions of transactions a second that you might need for it to become sort of like more globally used currency oh you do i mean look lightning network can handle millions of transactions yeah just not millions of people are using it but the lightning network is you know is capable look there's issues with it the uh, ordinals projects the jpegs on bitcoin have proven there's some limitations that's for sure we have to accept that but no i mean look the lightning network is totally usable um, I transact nearly daily with the Lightning Network. Um, uh, I have no issues with it. Yes, I tend to use uh, the more centralized version, hosted wallets. I know that isn't great. But look, I, I I think it's fine. But what is super interesting is we've seen lots of exciting new Layer 2 stuff come out. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen Arc, which I haven't checked out yet. Um, but we've got the really cool work being done by Obi and Feddy Mint. We've got... Uh, uh, the work that Cali's doing with Cashew. So look, there's a lot happening. And you know, I think sometimes it's very easy to look at the flaws or the limitations where we've not got to yet. I, I prefer to be a bit more positive and say, no, let's not think like that. Let's think how far we've come. This is a global decentralized ledger that offers censorship-resistant peer-to-peer payments. It should not work, have worked as a project, and it has. And building a layer two decentralized technology on top of that is super hard. And we've made a lot of progress. Uh, I believe that we will continue to make progress. I think the technology will continue to develop and it will keep up with the pace of people who want to adopt it. But I, I don't really see uh, an, an issue. I don't see a, a, an issue that uh, the lightning network cannot handle the volume that people want to put through. Okay. That's interesting. So then, do you how do you foresee this like playing out? I mean, you could just say I have no idea and give me some speculation if you <laughs> if you if you really don't have like a a set idea of it. But how do you see this playing out in terms of how it becomes part of the international like financial structure? Like so, at the minute, obviously, right? So the the dollar is the world's reserve currency, right? Um, Swift basically runs on the dollar, but now we're seeing BRICS um sort of say they're going to do a lot of things and we'll see what happens with it but um theoretically they're about to have their own like payment system brazil russia india china south africa um and there's talk of it being backed by gold there was people talking about it being like some sort of like central bank digital currency like based around some new bank 
from all these countries like there's there's lots of different speculation about how it's going to play out um and there it seems there's like a lot of fluctuation in this the like global financial order so do you think that bitcoin could become that reserve currency for the world like would it be official would it prov like in some way do you think it might remain like an unofficial like international currency or do you think it becoming like that institutionally adopted so interestingly, I mean, it, Bitcoin is my reserve currency, and I've made that choice, and nobody can stop me doing that. Is I have the complete freedom to act with it as my reserve currency, and and lots of other people do that around the world. They choose Bitcoin as their reserve currency. Other people choose the dollar. Other people may choose other currencies. The uh, yeah, the the digital yuan, digital yuan might be other people's. Um, trying to predict how this will play out is fraught with danger because who the hell knows. Well, what I will say is that I think we will continue to see people adopt Bitcoin as their personal reserve currency when they understand the benefits of a fixed limit currency that cannot be manipulated by a centralized group of people. Look, BRIC sounds interesting. It's a different reserve currency that they want to challenge the dollar with. Great. But it's still going to be at the whim and control and um, uh, uh, open to manipulation by centralized authoritarian mm. states. I mean, you can't trust that. Whereas Bitcoin, you don't need to trust it. It is a trustless system. And so I don't think there is a need for it to be officially delegated because it can't be. And I don't think it officially needs to be the global reserve currency. I just think you as an individual have the choice of doing that. And that's what I've chosen to do. And that decision I made has, has been a good decision for me. It's benefited me. It's benefited my family. It's put us in a different position because that's the reserve currency we've ch chosen to adopt. And it's put us in that position, not just because of the increase in value, but by having Bitcoin as our reserve currency, I change the decisions we make as a family, you know, the financial decisions, where we will keep our savings, what type of mortgage I'm going to get. And so I I, I, will, I think we'll continue to see adoption. I think we'll continue to see uh, financial institutions adopt or accept Bitcoin or allow uh, their customers to buy Bitcoin. I think we'll see institutions uh, offer custody solutions for Bitcoin. Um, that will continue to grow. Whether or not Bitcoin becomes the dominant global reserve currency, I don't know. But it doesn't really matter. I don't need it to be. I I just need it to be able to be my reserve currency, which it is. Mm. Do you think there's a chance of it being displaced by any of these, like digital central bank currencies? That that no, no, you don't. You no, don't see it, that. It's th that to me is like saying. Uh, do you think your car will be displaced by a boat? I think they do different things or a helicopter. I just think they do different things. It's, it's Yes, it's arguably money, but it's just a different form of money. And so I don't think it's been displaced. That's not to say they won't be heavily used. Most people in the UK, if a CBDC comes in, will start using it without understanding the risks, or even when they're told the risks, will think it's some conspiracy nonsense, mm. and they will use it. And so it's not that it displaces it; it just competes for people's money. So I don't, I, I, I don't see it as a displacement. I just see that as an evolution of fiat. Mm. Um, and as an evolution of fiat, it will have people who who will use it, adopt it. But like in the end, all roads lead to Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, I can see this. There's a weird like dystopian future in which or not it doesn't even have to be dystopian but in my head it is where like bitcoin is used but like it's just tokens so someone has all the bitcoin 
and then people like trade their little tokens for it so it's right back to the original <laughs> it's like back to just having cash <laughs> yeah uh, which would yeah make an interesting story no one steal that from me no, that's your one though uh, <laughs> um so how how concerned are you about like the this this rise of like central banks saying they're going to issue a central bank digital currency like obviously like the the fear is they'll be used by the government in the same way china's social credit score works and you won't be allowed to buy stuff or you you know things will be regulated and controlled like how, how worried are you about that happening i mean tech i still don't know if technically they can achieve it that's that's one big point Technically, can they deliver a CBDC that works? That's a big challenge. Mm. Uh, almost certainly, it will be some dystopian surveillance coin. Uh, we've seen, you know, and, and again, when you try and explain this to normies, what the power you give them by having a CBDC is, you sound like a nutter. Th- most people, normies, will think you're a conspiracy theorist. But but we've seen this happen. We've seen people have restricted access to the money. We saw it happen in Canada during the trucker protests. You know, people were restricted access to their money and their bank accounts, their uh, funds that were raised to support their protests, which was a fundamental attack on democracy itself. So that that stuff happens. Yeah. Of course, they will be uh, you know, surveilling what you're spending money on. Of course, they will be tracking the money flows. Of course, they want to eliminate cash because cash is a great tool for criminals, you know, money launderers. Of course, that's going to happen. So look, it's not that I fear it. I, it's more that I see it as just a reality of what's coming, and that's why we need to fight against it happening. Mm. It does. It does worry me a tiny bit because, like, it's gone from it's so it's so crazy how it went from oh, don't be silly, that'll never happen. There's there's no way they would do that. That's just not possible. Stop, you know, stop being so paranoid. To oh no, it's it's an article on the the Bank of England website, like a big page about you know them talking about issuing a digital pound known as the central bank digital currency which I'm, pu- yeah. I'm pulling out for people here just to see that they don't think i'm crazy but you're right it does it's it's like it's like we fast forwarded so quickly into dystopia that people that, that to explain it to explain the potential for things to get a lot worse makes you sound like a rant ranting idiot from a movie mm. It's you know and they're gonna control the money and they're they'll they'll watch everything you do and it's like you, you sound like that that crazy guy on the street with a tinfoil hat on and then it's like no but they they really can and they, I, if if you if you trust them not to like more power to you man <laughs> it's wild how we got here yeah it scares me but um, anyway more positive things um, winning uh winning championships so yeah man you bought a uh, real Be- bedford fc with backed with bitcoin and things kind of became a bit of a runaway success yeah, i, man, I won the league yeah i mean i can't you know not not that i was like sitting there in disbelief but i mean i kind of was i was like the guy took over like this year basically like like well like, i had them it? for like just under half the season when I first took it over, but there's not much you can do when a season's halfway through. Uh, I say judge us on our first full season where I got to put my manager in place and put in my strategy. And, you know, we won the league by nine points. Uh, we won the cup, the county cup. We got promoted. We're now in the next league above and we're going to go and do the same again. Hopefully. I I hope so. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see. 
Um, so maybe just before we go a bit deeper into what you've been doing with it, like mm. when when we say that you bought it back with Bitcoin, what exactly does that mean? Well, so, I mean, I didn't physically buy it with Bitcoin. I bought it with a strategy backed by Bitcoiners, let's say that, in that I've made it a team that Bitcoiners feel like they it's theirs. Like this is our team that's taken on the big boys. You know, we've got a Bitcoin logo on our shirt. You know, we've got different Easter eggs on our shirt. You can buy your tickets, your burgers, you know, anything on a match day on your merch with Bitcoin. You know, we, we have Bitcoin running through our DNA. And therefore, it's a team that Bitcoiners can feel part of. And obviously, that supports our commercial goals. They buy, you know, they can watch our games and I buy jerseys. But also, it's a team that is backed by Bitcoiners who run Bitcoin companies. We have Bitcoin companies who sponsor us. So, you know, I've used the Bitcoin cheat code to make this team a success. And so far, it's working. Yeah, the shirts are great, man. I love the Bitcoin logo on them. Gotta there say. You go. The orange one, particularly. Um, so you got one. I don't have one. I should get one. I should get I one. Should, I should send you one. You should send me send one. Me your, send me your dress and I'll send you one. I, I will. I'll, I'll wear it on on a, on the next show. There you go. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, so I've some of the articles I've read, no, you can't believe everything you read in the press, but some of the articles I've read suggest that quite a lot of the community um, in Bedford were quite skeptical when you first took over. So, like, what was what was the actual reaction like when when you came in and decided, right, okay, we're going to try this new thing that no one's really ever done before? Yeah, look, it's mixed reactions. Uh, I obviously came out with some quite bold statements, and I think some people thought, "Who's this idiot? We've heard this all before. Shut up! You don't understand football." Uh, there were some people who came in, and, like, heard it and thought, "Okay, this is exciting. We'll give it a shot." And then uh, there's some people who support, like, a uh, like a local team or people involved in football who just, just hate us because we're different. You know, some people just involved in football. If it's not your team, they hate everything any other team does, especially if it's different and disruptive. And so I made the statements, but, but there has been a change in the, you know, in the response that like we've seen the tide turn. And I think that's because we delivered. I said, we're going to do it. We won the league. Great. Okay. Uh, by the way, that that's not credit to me. That's credit to the manager and the team. Um, and we now have a ladies team. We have 200 young girls playing under the name Real Bedford. Um, and things are we're making differences. We've got people flying in from all over the world to come and watch us play. Uh, we run our you know, meetup. So I think it's more because it, there's promising and there's deliver, delivering. We made the promise, fine. A lot of skepticism. We've now delivered. So, you know, skepticism's dropped from some people. Others are still skeptical. So, yeah, it's, it's been interesting seeing the responses and how they've changed. Mm. I mean, I'm sure winning the league definitely won a few people over. <laughs> yeah, it did. And, you know, we've just got an article on the back page of the local paper today talking about my plans for football in Bedford. And yeah, I think I think I'm starting to win some people over. Mm. So, right, when they make the Moneyball style film about this, who's going to play you? Ooh, who's going to play me? God. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. <laughs> I mean, he knows. He knows oh, no, the, man. They uh, definitely have to lose some weight for that. Don't know, man. I'm a bit podgy myself. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who would be good? Um, who's about the right age? What about the guy who plays all the English people? who played Tony Blair and what's his name? Michael. I forgot his name. Um, 
I'm not sure. I mean, I'd obviously like someone handsome to play me. Yeah. Well, you could get like, like we could we could do like a, like James McAvoy. I reckon he could pull he could pull you off. He's Scottish though, isn't he? Yeah, I'm, he's an actor. He'll deal with that. Yeah, I'm not having a Scottish guy playing me. Come on, man. <laughs> Scott, the Scots hate us. Yeah, maybe maybe we'd turn it down. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, so tell me a little bit more about the meetup. So, you, yeah, there's like a Bitcoin meetup before every game, right? So, what exactly is that? Like, what, what's going on? What are people talking about? What's the vibe like? Yeah. So, um, once a month we host a Bitcoin meetup before a game. So, it's Bitcoiners who like our team can come along and watch us, uh, come along and just hang out. But also, it's a chance to kind of introduce local people to bitcoin are a bit kind of i don't know intrigued about what we're doing a bit like oh, what are these guys up to um and so yeah once a month we do it it's we a home game we'll get a guest speaker in and you know we'll give a talk it might be bitcoin basics it might be hardware wallets and and what's quite interesting is we kind of have this core group who come every time and some of them come right they don't even stay for the game afterwards they literally come to the meetup and then they leave. I'm like, why are you staying with the game? They're like, I don't like football. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, but, you know, we've had players. Some of the players turn up and sit sit in, you know, and listen to what we've got to talk about. And so for us, it's 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 a, it's a place for anyone who's skeptical, who doesn't understand. It's like, just come to a meetup. Give up an hour of your time. See what you can learn. And, you know, I think it's been it's been interesting. I think we'll get a few more this year. Now uh, there's a little bit more interest around what we're doing. So do you give people do people get a discount if they pay with Bitcoin and stuff at the grind? Nope. No, no discount. <laughs> no. Oh. No, uh, no discount. So have you did you have you noticed like locals paying in Bitcoin more than when <laughs> when like what's what's the adoption rate been like? No, it's the Bitcoiners who come along who do it. The locals are just like, what's it but the great thing about it, look, the other if if you don't give a shit about Bitcoin, right? Say you're like, I like football, but now, fuck Bitcoin, fuck this Pete McCormick guy. They can come along, they can buy their tickets with their pounds, they can buy their burger and beer with their pounds, they can watch a game of football and leave, and they don't have to care, give a damn about Bitcoin. They absolutely don't. But if you're a Bitcoiner who comes along, you want to pay for everything Bitcoin, you can. If you want to come hang, hang out with Bitcoiners and watch a football match, you can. You can have whatever experience you want, and all of them support the goal of the football club. That's pretty out. That sounds great. Um, have you noticed like any adoption of like Bitcoin in the area surrounding the stadium or like in Bedford itself? Like, if... no. And you know, I've been reluctant to push it because mm. I'm very careful about managing the perception of what we're doing, and I would hate people to do that and then lose some money. Right? Mm. That would suck. So I'm super careful about that. But but there will come a time. You know, at the right time, we will start pushing that and start helping people, you know, accept Bitcoin. But that's, I, I want another year of getting the club right and getting people behind the club before I start doing that stuff. Mm, yeah. Win them over a bit. So, what's your history? Like, why, why Bedford? That's where I'm from, dude. I grew up here. Yeah. I love this town. I want to do something for other people in my town. It's a, it's a deprived town. It's, it's got great parts to it, but it has got its areas of deprivation. And I, what can I do to contribute to it? Wouldn't it be great to have this successful football team that gets in the football league and uh, creating people can create businesses off the back of it. And if we can get more people playing football and get outside and enjoying life, if I can do that for just my little town where I'm from, that would make me super happy. 
well, that's beautiful. That's how you change the world, man. One, yeah. one little fucking act, of, one, one act of random kindness at a time. One Bedford at a time. One Bedford at a time. <laughs> so, like, do, how long was how long were you thinking about doing this? Is it is it something that you you've like wanted to do for Dude, a long time? Since I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, I told my dad when I was a teenager. I was like, Dad, I, I'm gonna one day be rich and buy a our local football team. Uh, I'm not rich, but I managed to buy the team working with other Bitcoiners. But yeah, I live in a town that should have a team in the football league. And for whatever reason, it hasn't. Like somebody hasn't had the right plan or whatever, but it's just not happened. And we are, we needed six, we need six promotions and we've done our first one. This year, we're going to give it everything to go and do it again. And I think we've got a good chance. And we'll do the same again next year. And I think we've got a good chance, but it will get harder. It will get a lot harder. Every, every division you go up, it gets, you know, the, the, the difficulty compounds, mm. but we have a plan, right? And so, look, if Bitcoin keeps growing and we keep delivering, yeah, we might just do this. Mm. So, so I'm about to lose all American viewers here. So, uh, Americans, thanks for listening. Um, what would you say the football philosophy is at, at Bedford? Like, what, what are you trying to instill? Obviously, like, you, you, you've given a lot of credit to the manager, as, as I'm sure he deserves. Uh, but you picked him for something like what is the philosophy that you're trying to embody and what do you think's made it so successful um so there's two philosophies there's his playing philosophy and i would never try and explain that that's down to him mm. yeah he's given a budget and given a target and it's for him to go and achieve that my philosophy for us as a club is to have an unapolog unapologetic relentless approach to winning and I don't care if it's our under seven youth girls team, under 12 boys team, if we have a disability team, I don't care. It's unapologetic about winning. And do like, and I don't mean winning unfairly. I mean, training hard, working hard, and going out to win. And the reason I'm unapologetic about this is participation trophies suck ass, they give a wrong message. Also, nobody likes losing, no. nobody anywhere likes losing. So what can we do to make sure every team has the best chance of winning? And so what can we do here? What what resources can we put in place for coaching and equipment and facilities to make sure that happens? I'm unapologetic, unapologetic about that because also th this team winning is a win for my town. So that's, that is my personal philosophy is we are here to win and I don't care who that pisses off. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to win football matches and win trophies. And then it's just to be a little bit rock and roll and anti-establishment. Look, I'm a look at my I'm covered in tattoos. I'm a I'm a heavy metal guy, and I, and the club reflects that a bit. You go into our tunnel; it's covered in graffiti. When the away team turns up, we're playing Kill Switch Engage or you know, Earth Crisis. We're playing full on in your face heavy metal. When the team comes out to play, uh, we play Know Your Enemy by Rage Against the Machine, and that's the DNA, which is just my DNA. I think of most clubs' DNA probably reflect their chairman, and so we have like this brand. And then we have our philosophy. But look, dude, I'm here to win. And I, I will apologize to no one for that. I don't care. I'm here to win. Mm. Well, I mean, it's it's fascinating to see uh, just how well you've been able to do. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see, see where it goes. But you said something, and I don't know how long ago this was, but I find a quote where you were talking about, you said, if I'm going to run it on Bitcoin, I've only got, I think it was only, I'll only get 200 million. But if I ran it, or was it? I can't remember. What it was. Something about if you ran it on a shit coin, 
you'd be able to make hundreds of millions. Dude, listen, I've seen the money that the shitcoiners can raise. If I start, if I recreated the, if I was a crypto guy and created the Real Bedford token, I'm sure we could sell hundreds of millions of that, raise the money and get us in the Premier League, just like that. I'm pretty sure it's a thing that can happen, but I'm not going to do that because that is shitcoining and that is antithetical for what I stand for and what I want to do with this club. And I don't think we need to. I think we can get this right without doing that. I mean, I don't think shitcoining your way there would get you a lot of fans. I think you would become very hated by the internet. I think you could become loved by the people of your town and then hated by everyone outside of it. Yeah. Whereas if you do it right, you know, you can earn the begrudging respect of other people. Hell yeah. And I'll take that. I'd rather the begrudging respect. Yeah, it tastes better. (laughs) I don't know how long this project lasts. I don't know if if I can do this for the rest of my life or in two, three years, something goes wrong and it fails. But I'm giving it everything I've got to make it work. Yeah. Well, hopefully we don't all die in nuclear war and we can see how this plays out. And the robots don't kill us. And the robots don't kill us and AI doesn't take over. Um, Nobody let it near FIFA, then it can't learn football and it'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, one of of the other interesting things that's that's happening at the minute in America is um, watching Robert F. Kennedy Jr. run for president and talk like quite a lot and quite openly about about Bitcoin um, in a way that I haven't really seen any other candidate do. What do you think that that means for how we're going to see it discussed in the upcoming election cycle? Well, he's not the only one. So Vivek Ramaswani is talking about Bitcoin, who's a, a Republican candidate. Even Ron DeSantis has talked about Bitcoin. Uh, I think people, I think the new, the sorry, I these people coming in who are looking for presidential nominees are trying to reflect the feelings of the electorate. And the electorate right now does not trust the establishment because we've been lied to so much, whether it's COVID, whether it's the media, we've just been lied to so much. And, you know, these people want to win votes. So their job is to reflect the electorate. And the electorate wants Bitcoin. And so it's only natural that they would support Bitcoin. And look, I don't trust any politician anymore. And I would be guarded about Vivek. I would be guarded about DeSantos. I'd be guarded about Robert Kennedy. But if they have, if they are reflecting the electorate truly, then that's a good thing. So, does that mean anything for the UK? It could do. You know, if if uh, the US becomes a, a open territory for supporting Bitcoin, Europe has to look back and go, well, why are they doing that? We need to do it, and not get left behind. And so perhaps we will see that here. But you know, Richie Sunak and uh, Jeremy Hunt aren't anti-Bitcoin. I think it's more like the government is anti-Bitcoin rather than individual politicians. Every person who's fought against Bitcoin has has lost. Every single person. You cannot beat it. So at some point, you have to realize, okay, this is a losing battle. I have to I have to join Team Bitcoin. And I think we'll get there eventually here. Mm. I mean, I was just looking to see what uh, what Sunak has said about Bitcoin. And there's an amazing, amazing title article from theface.com. Never heard of it. But it says, Rishi Sunak is the UK's first crypto bro prime minister. <laughs> um basically they're predicting he'll be quite pro crypto i think i think he will be yeah i mean they're they're very pro ai um or you know seemingly 
I mean, is... how, how can you not be pro a technology that people like using that grows exponentially? Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you shouldn't have ever been anti the telephone. You shouldn't be anti railways. Mm. You know, you shouldn't be anti internet. You shouldn't be anti AI. You shouldn't be anti Bitcoin. These mm. are technologies that have exponential growth because they solve problems. Mm. You cannot fight them, so don't fight them. Yeah, I don't know. I'm always I'm I I feel like we need the skeptics in in whatever it is because they're fantastic at pointing out holes in things yeah. that might need to get fixed. You know, if the, if it weren't for people saying Bitcoin doesn't scale, we wouldn't have got the Lightning Network. You, do, uh, in, you know, there's there's no no. Look, I agree with you. Like we need skeptics, but at the same time, we also need politicians not to make us anti-competitive. Mm. True, true. Uh, yeah, well, that that we can definitely agree on. They, uh, they really do. Um, well, it seems it seems as if they're very determined to kill innovation in a lot of um, in a lot of sectors, unfortunately. And a lot of the times, again, unfortunately, that's because of um, regulatory capture in in almost every industry. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, which which makes the the sort of continued non death of Bitcoin. It gives people, I think, a bit of hope in the, in in the fact that you know maybe this is the thing that regulation won't kill. Yeah. Listen, like I say, everyone who fights against Bitcoin fails. <laughs> they fail. I mean, we've seen it this week with uh, Nassim Taleb. He's trying to fight against Bitcoin. He sounds like a moron. He's destroying his capital with his anti-Bitcoin position. Because it's coming from an emotional point of view rather than a rational point of view. He wrote Black Swan. He should get Bitcoin. He wrote the forward to uh, the Bitcoin standard. He should get Bitcoin. But he's ha he's got into a tiff with Saifedean. And because of that, his emotions have got the better of him. And now he sounds like an idiot. Oh, what has he said? What has he gone and said? Nassim Taleb, stock market, AI bubble. Maybe this isn't there. Anyway, oh, crypto is a tumor, and <laughs> there's a brewing bubble in artificial intelligence stocks. Oh, nice positive thinking from this guy. And you might be right about the AI stocks. I mean, I think people are just throw money at anything that says AI on the front of it at the minute. But um, mm. I think it's 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 continually interesting. When do you think that people will stop making this start making the distinction? in this sort of discussion between Bitcoin and crypto? Because obviously that's that's a, a discussion that, or that's a distinction that gets made quite broadly. Well, we have. Yeah. We've done it in this discussion between you and I. I've only talked about Bitcoin. I don't really care about crypto. Uh, I mean, that's the first fundamental, fundamental mistake that he's made. He says crypto has failed, but you have to be nuanced about this. You cannot talk about all crypto assets and Bitcoin in the same way because they're completely different assets, different properties doing different things. So that's the first mistake he made. That's the first thing he said that, that almost points him out as somebody who shouldn't be taken seriously because therefore it's clearly emotional. What he should have said is, look, firstly, we need to separate what Bitcoin and crypto is. Okay, here are my criticisms of crypto. I probably would have agreed with a number of them. And then he could have said, these are my criticisms of Bitcoin. And maybe I would have disagreed, but I at least would have taken him seriously. I can't, I can't take him seriously, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, apparently Bitcoin, it's not even good for money laundering. And apparently Bitcoin has turned into a cult. I mean. A contagious disease. I mean, he's kind of got a point. An obsolete product of low interest rates. Wow, this guy, is re he's really going for this. Like, like, yeah, so <laughs> dude. He sounds like a moron, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
it's unfortunately what happens in a lot of cases where it's like, oh, people are passionate about this thing. It must be a cult because I don't mm. quite get it. Therefore, it must be a cult. Um, and that's, yeah, that's sadly the way way things go in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways or in a lot of um, different situations. Um, so anyway, unfortunately, um, we're going to have to wrap up in a couple of minutes. So okay. um, as a last thing uh, I wanted to ask you about was um, when you think the first um, time you will buy a player with Bitcoin will be. Oh, that's a good question. Mm, I mean, we'd have to have another team who would accept Bitcoin. I mean, I don't think it happens in the next decade. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I don't think it happens in the next decade. You don't you think you'll see little it. copycats popping up, seeing, oh, maybe... You could do, which is why I had so much urgency. We had to be the first. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe we'll buy an El Salvadorian player. That would be really cool. Because they Wouldn't would be able be to wild. take it, right? Yeah, that would be wild. Send it to their Chivo wallet. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Um, that would be wild. Maybe that's maybe that's what happened, Josh. Who who's your who is like uh, who's your biggest rival? Bedford Town. Okay, I'm waiting for someone to come in and buy them with Ethereum. Ha. And then... <laughs> I hope it happens. <laughs> oh, that'd be that'd be a derby that was like uh, there. Were a lot of people would watch that derby. I think, <laughs> dude. When we finally play each other, it's all gonna go off. <laughs> Oh, anyway, um, yeah, Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, is there anything you want to plug specifically before? No, we look, just check out my football team, Real Bedford. Check out my podcast, What Bitcoin Did. Apart from that, enjoy your life. I wish everyone good health and happiness. Brilliant. Okay, well, well, thanks very much, man. Cheers, bro. Good to see you again. Hey, everyone. Thanks for making it right the way to the end of the podcast. I love that you tuned in this long. Do me a favor, hit subscribe because 80% of you bastards are not subscribing, but you're watching my videos. See you next time.